When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth. The fountain of truth about what? The fountain of truth about aging. And today we're going to tackle a lot, a lot that has to do with what I would call successful aging. People have actually criticized me for using that phrase because it gives the impression that we have control over our aging, that we can make our aging a success. Guess what? That's exactly what I want to convey. I believe that we actually can. And one way we can do that is by looking outside of ourselves and not just once in a while when we write a check to a charity, not just once in a while when we help a member of our family, but all the time. Now, Lori uh, Myron Mandek, she's a podcaster. You're going to hear about her wonderful podcast. She's an entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur. She's the founder of Inclusivity, T-E-E, you'll hear about that, and an author of a book that says to you, you can go out there and change the world. In fact, maybe you're the only one. And we're going to talk to her because not only is she a leader when it comes to social change, environmental change, sustainability, but she's also a psychologist in the field of geriatrics, one of the very, very few. And we're going to connect the issue of how you can make change with how we may often drop the ball just because we're over a certain age. So, Lori, thank you so much for being with us today. Adrian, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. So let's start first with a definition. Uh, there's a couple of definitions, actually, that, that come to mind when I speak with you. One is the word sustainability. Let's start with that one. You know, that's a buzzword. I'm going to tell you something. I bought shoes yesterday. And on the box of the shoes, it says, these shoes are sustainable. So it's everywhere. Tell me what you mean about sustainability. Yeah, for me, I think it is everywhere. And I think it's also a big word. It means a lot. And so for me, sustainability is about creating a future where everyone will thrive and creating a future that can continue going forward after the year 2050. So protecting the the world, the earth and each other so that we can keep going forward. All right. So this is a big goal. And one would say, my goodness, do I have the power to save the world? Do I have the power to save the earth? Tell us about your new book and why you think that we do actually have that power. Yeah, um, I, it's it's a really good question. So the new book really is called You Can Save the World. And the reason I, call, I chose that title very carefully, because I believe that if each one of us is committed to changing the world and saving the world and has the faith and the belief that we can do it, then together we can. I often say that alone, I will make a difference. Together we can make the difference. And I think that's what the book is about, is that if I start thinking, boy, my my actions are powerful, and if I make these small changes in my daily life, it will have an impact. Then I'll make the changes, and then I'll talk to my neighbors about it. I'll talk to my um, church about it. I'll talk to my synagogue about it. I will start contacting companies that I like and saying, hey, you know, I'm caring about sustainability. Would you start producing more hemp? Would you start making your clothing more durable so that I don't have to replace it as often? Um, Even silly things like, would you start putting tags in your clothing that say only wash if actually dirty? 
because those are all things that companies can do that would really matter. And we'll start voting that way. So when I say that I can save the world, I don't uh, obviously don't mean, you know, if I sit, if I just do it myself, I can save the world. But what's exciting is that the more I do it, the more excited I get about it and the more I want it to expand that out to other people. So a couple of things here. There's a wonderful book, and I'm going to really recommend this to everyone. And then uh, Lori will tell us how to get her book. And that's called The Tipping Point. It's an old mm-hmm. book. Uh, but it's about a, a, a time in history where we're just about to tip over to yeah. incredible change. And in my world, everybody knows, Laurie, I, I'm working on a healthy lifespan for all. I call it mm-hmm. healthy longevity equity. And I think we're at the tipping point uh, because of scientific breakthroughs. But I think we may be on the tipping point for thinking differently here as well. So first, tell everybody uh, how they can get their book because you heard it here first. You can actually download it right from Lori's website. We're going to give you that URL. And then discuss why you think we might be at the tipping point of sustainability right now. Absolutely. So you can actually get the book. And the book is full of very simple tips anybody can use to live a more sustainable life. And most of the tips are free. So sometimes people think sustainability is expensive. And the book is actually my way of showing that there are many, many things we can do that are easy and straightforward that don't cost us much or anything. So you can get the book at my website, which, as you said, my company is Inclusivity, and the website is www.inclusivit, no, sorry, i-t-e-e.com. So inclusivity.com, but inclusivity is spelled with a dash T-E-E at the end rather than T-Y. And to make life easy for everybody, you know this is going to be on our website. So as always, this is recorded. Uh, It airs uh, on the weekend on many, many podcast stations. It also airs on Big Biz Talk Radio. Get the app. And, uh, of course, on Adrian Berg, A-D-R-I-A-N-A-B-E-R-G.com, you will have inclusivity. And it's inclusive with an I, dash T-E-E. And you can get that book. Now, uh, the issue of tipping point. So, you know, there was a few years ago, I worked very closely as a consultant to uh, assisted living communities. And one of Mm -hmm. the things they do is they buy fabric. And their fabric has to be very durable. So I went to one of the conferences where they sell the fabric and someone says to me, you know, this fabric is green. I didn't know what they were talking about. It looked red to me. (laughs) Then I went went over and they're selling um, uh, countertops for the, uh, for the kitchens. And they said, you know, this granite, this countertop, it's green. It's made. I don't know what they're talking about today. Everybody knows what that means, that it's, uh, it doesn't have emissions. It doesn't hurt the environment. The way it's created is green. And it even has a label and a, a, a blessing from different organizations that say this thing is truly green. Right. Do, do you think we're getting there with sustainability and sustainable products? What's your thoughts on this? I actually do. And I think one of the things that the book really emphasizes and that I emphasize on my podcast and anytime I speak is that... As long as we all start 
seeing all of our decisions through a lens of sustainability. So it just becomes something that's a natural thing for us to think about, then we absolutely are getting there and the tipping point is close. 96% of people say they believe their actions matter. And over 70% are called conscious consumers, which means they really want to try to buy products that are good for the environment. And conscious consumers will spend $150 billion predicted this year. So because of all of that, I actually do. And I think companies are starting to talk about it. And they are because we are making them. You know, if we demand sustainable fashion, we will get more sustainable fashion. If we tell companies we want to know how things are made and how the workers are treated and we want to know what the materials are, we want the materials to biodegrade, not after 400 years, but much sooner than that. So I think that the the more we think about it and the more we work on it, absolutely, I think we're close to the tipping point. So I want to uh, to conclude our segment here. In the UK, I'm working with a group, the Old Parliamentary uh, committee and it, it, deal, it deals with longevity and they are actually creating a business index where this has to do with health care and health span and caring about wellness not sustainability sure. and they are saying that these particular companies uh, care about wellness they care about uh, their workers and they care about health span for all and they're integrating these kinds of behaviors into the lives of their employees and their customers and we're finding that businesses are very interested in being on that list. They want to be on the good list. So I'm wondering if there would be such a sustainability index that we could talk about. When we come back, we're going to talk about the old idea that we build in obsolescence specifically so that companies can thrive. Because after all, if we only need one pair of shoes for the rest of our life, the shoe companies will go out of business. So there's some practical issues here that I want to talk Mm -hmm. Uh, to Lori about when we come back don't you guys go anywhere And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. So uh, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping here. This Friday, uh, that just passed, because you'll be hearing this after this webcast, we're doing a webcast on the Dog Aging Project. You probably never heard of it. Uh, it is a 10-year, so far they have 30,000 dogs involved where they're tracking through the veterinarian uh, records and their owners how these dogs are aging, what the owners have been doing to see whether or not the nutrition, the exercise, even the medications that they may be getting from their veterinarians are making a difference in their lives. And it turns out that as a big mammal, we're learning a lot about our own aging through this. It's a fascinating conversation. Plus, it's free if you are a dog owner, uh, and it does. It gives you quite a bit of bonuses if you and your dog are part of this. Now, this is not a laboratory. This is not invasive. This is just a dog uh, information, big data being taken from a, a massive number of dogs. So 
Uh, those of you who are interested in this can still get the recording of the webcast. Of course, it's free. And you would do this simply by going to our website, adrianberg, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G dot com. Go to contact Adrian. Say, yes, I would like a recording of the dog project. It's just going to be fascinating. And we are also having geroscientists speak about this and what it can mean to us um, in this sense of having a community. They call it community science, where people from the community all become part of these big trials and we learn about ourselves, our aging, and of course other scientific breakthroughs can come from this. So this actually relates a lot to my guest today. Uh, Lori Myron uh, uh, Manbeck is an author, a podcaster, a geriatric psychologist. I'm going to let her tell you about uh, hearing her podcast in a moment, getting her book in a moment. I want you to know that all of this is available through you uh, to you through her website, inclusiva-tee, which is inclusive without the E, but an I-tee. Don't worry about it. That will be on our website as well. <laughs> Uh, so let's go go to this. So here's something called community science. In, in many ways, it parallels what you want to do with sustainability, which is convince people that one small act of their participation can make a difference. So first, let's tell everybody how to find the book, the name of the book, and your podcast. Sure. So the name of the book is You Can Save the World. In fact, you're the only one who can. And you can get it right now, download it from my website, um, which Adrian just explained what that is, inclusivity.com. And the podcast is called Inclusive Talks Sustainability. And it's available on Anchor and all sorts of other websites as, or other sites. So now let's get back to the point for a moment. Then I want to get into aging sustainability realm. And so it's a fun podcast about taking care of the world and kindness. And um, I love it. It's so much fun to get to know people and ask them about their lives and how they got to be where they are. So this brings me to the question that that we left everybody with in the last Mm -hmm. segment, which is uh, pushback. Look, uh, if I, as I said, I made a joke, but it was the truth. I bought shoes and they are sustainable. Now, th- that may mean a couple of things. It may mean the way that they were created is from sustainable products. It may also mean that um, they are biodegradable and if I throw them out, they won't hurt the environment. But it may also mean that I won't need a pair of shoes like this for quite a while. Uh, is there pushback on sustainability because obsolescence runs a lot of products and a lot of companies and a lot of profit? It's an interesting question because I think not. I think the companies have that have gone um, to a more, I, I suspect that I know that companies that have gone to a more sustainable model have actually found that it's, it's working. They can charge a bit more for the products. People still need to buy things. It's not like we're, we're going to stop consuming um, it's it's just a different model for them. And I think probably there was initially a lot of pushback and there still may be for some companies, but I think overall, it's just a shift in the way you do business. It's a shift in mindset. And I think people, when companies start talking about this, become so intensely loyal 
I know for me, when I hear about a company doing something good, I really do want to support them and I want to buy their products again. And if I buy those green shoes and they last me for longer than my other shoes did, eventually I'm still going to have to throw them out. And if I know that they're not going to hurt the environment, that's going to make me want to get another pair of those same shoes from that same company. And so I think the way it works actually is that this is a sustainable model for society in every way for companies and individuals and um, the planet. And so I think ultimately it's just a shift. And I think we know that they can do it because they're starting to in response to purchasing decisions. You know, though, you did say one thing that triggered me. And, you know, this is the fountain of truth. And we say it's the fountain of truth about aging. So I bring out some truths that, that bother me. Equity. Look. Uh, we're in the healthcare and health expansion business in the sense of my institute, the Catalyst Institute. And we're very worried that wonderful breakthroughs that are coming out in nutraceuticals, in better food, they're more expensive or perhaps not even affordable. So here we go. We have sustainable products and it's very trendy. As my daughter would say, it's very boho. Uh, You know, we, we want it. We all want it, but it costs more. So I went crazy the other day because a very big food chain, I won't say the name so they don't sue me, comes up with cheddar cheese, bacon, and meat, and a huge extra amount of it, and it's a dollar. So, of course, people who are poorer are going to buy that, and it's terrible for your health, but that's what they can afford. Is sustainability a privileged class product line? I'm cons- And what do we do if it is so that everybody – can buy a sustainable shoe? Um, My response to that is the more that companies go to sustainable material, the less expensive it becomes. So it's a matter of um, the more we use hemp, the more hemp there is being produced, the more hemp there is available, the lower cost hemp becomes. I think it's a real issue that needs to be addressed by companies, but also by um, by everybody. I think you're right. I think equity is a huge thing. As I said, many of the tips for living a more sustainable life are free. There's a lot of stuff you can do that, in fact, saves you money. My sister is just kind of starting on this sustainability challenge and recently joined joined me to start a group on sustainability that we have online. And she said she's been shocked to learn that many of the tips that she's kind of picking up actually save her money. So things like washing your clothes less often, not using laundry detergent every time you wash your clothes, not using dryer sheets, instead using a dryer ball, which can be used over and over and over again and has the same results and is just a wool dryer ball. So I think the the important thing is that we not we not go into it thinking this is just for wealthy people, but that we start saying, okay, what are the things that we can do? And if there's some things you can't do right now, there are other, other things that you can do that will help. So I think, again, the goal is to say, you don't need to jump in completely and go vegan and only buy organic food if you can't do that. But there are steps along the way that you can do that really will help. And the goal is to get all of that other stuff, the organic food and the sustainable shoes, get the prices down by demanding that that's what is manufactured so that the materials become more available. Yeah, I think this is a terrific idea. And what I want to point out to everybody is this. Uh, It's not elitist. Uh, We can do with this what we did with recycling. 
which is mm-hmm. it's now become a habit. So what we want to do is very similar to healthcare. We want to have good habits. So sustainability is really just another good habit. And the minute your consciousness is raised with regard to it, you start to you start to do it. Um, it, it believe me, it was my first pair of sustainable shoes. I'm not, uh, but how do <laughs> why do I, let me tell you why I bought it, and then we'll take a little break. I bought it because of my daughter. My daughter is very into sustainability. She's 28 years old. And when I um, bought her a gift uh, the other day for her birthday, I made sure that the clothing was sustainable. So somebody else raised my consciousness that I trusted, and that's what's going on here. We come back. We want to point out that change is made minutia by minutia, and you've got the power. Don't you guys go anywhere. All of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. Let me take a minute to tell you about my day job. I am the executive director of the Catalyst Institute, and please take a look at it. It's K-I-T-A-L-Y-S dot org. comes from an old Greek word that has to do with being a catalyst. And in our case, we are the catalyst for silo-breaking, bringing together policymakers, insurance companies, you, the consumer, those people who are aging successfully at any age because they're biohackers, and, of course, a vast group of geroscientists, a science that's pretty much under the radar for everybody, as well as the FDA and other regulatory groups that allow their scientific breakthroughs to get to market. Now, COVID was a great example of how a necessity, stopping this pandemic, allowed companies the pathway to get vaccines to you quickly. Well, there's a a large number of life-saving drugs, devices, uh, artificial intelligence, diagnostic tests, all kinds of things that are just waiting in the wings, and they can't get to you because there are pathways that are blocked. I always think of it as a mime trying to get out of a box. So our organization helps get these breakthroughs out of that box. We have great conferences. They're always free, and they're particularly free and inviting for you. So if you want to be on the list of the conferences that we have, again, always free, just go to adrianberg, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com, and let me know that you want to be on our list uh, to be informed. This Friday, uh, it will be a couple of days after you hear this, you can still let me know, and you can learn about the Dog Aging Project. 30,000 dogs being monitored over 10 years for information about how their different diets, how their different medications, and how their different exercise patterns affect their longevity. Maybe we'll find out something about us as well. Okay, so that's adrianberg.com. Now, going back to our guests, I thank uh, Lori uh, Myron uh, Manbeck, uh, a podcaster, an author, but also uh, a geriatric psychologist. So, so I want to turn the conversation around a little bit here. Everything you're talking about with sustainability and your book, 
on your podcast shows hints and tips of things that we can do. We're going to list a few more in a minute. You gave us several. Uh, it's a way of making change. But there's a the subtext of what you're talking about is that all of us have the power to make big change. Now, there are 78 million baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964. Most of us, it, making change resonated with us. Our music was about change. We started the fire and we're going to live forever, learn how to fly. But then we reach 60 and the world stops thinking that we're all that relevant. And 70, you can forget about it. So by 80, there's some folks who think we should be dead by now. It's not so easy to feel empowered that you can make change. And as a geriatric psychologist, what are you seeing? I mean, life purpose is the big mantra of the uh, social scientists. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Or are you seeing people that are infused with purpose or people that are feeling disempowered? I really don't know the answer to what you're seeing on a one-on-one basis. Yeah, I, I will say that what I am seeing on a one-on-one basis is people learning to shift what they expect. They're learning to shift what it means to be empowered and what it means to make a difference. And a lot of times what I'm working with, I often work with people when they end up in a care facility for rehab um, because of a fall or because something happened. And so a lot of the things we talk about is, is who are you? And, and what was your purpose? Why did your family care about you? Did they care about you because you fixed Sunday dinner or did they care about you because you're fascinating and interesting and have a story to tell? And one of the greatest, I would say, gifts for me as a geriatric psychologist is that I get to meet interesting, amazing people every day. And part of my work with them is simply telling them how amazing they are. Part of my work is reminding them what they've done and reminding them what they can still do. And so I would say that I meet people who are mostly looking for how do I continue to feel like I'm contributing? How do I continue to feel like me with these changes that I wasn't expecting? And people can do it. I think it's a matter of understanding that you are so much more than your legs, or you are so much more than your eyesight, or you are so much more than mowing the yard. Now, do you think this generation, as I say, my daughter is very involved with sustainability. Uh, my son is very politically oriented. Um, we'll do a better job. We as boomers really did have a lot of power. We were just so many of us. And so many products and services were being created just for us. And we really did think we were going to live forever and learn how to fly. Uh, this group is coming into an economy that is, is where they have some job issues. They have, as you say, save the planet issues. They've got a lot of worries. Equity issues, maybe because they don't have it so good when, things, when they get older, the deficits that come with aging, they'll be able to manage better and being more resilient. I really don't know because our resiliency is not tip top because in some respects we are a privileged generation. I don't know what you're finding with regard to that. Um, I, I mean, I think that's true. Although I think the younger generation sees a lot of um, issues on a global level. So on, you know, the, the environment and economic 
inequity. And I think they're very aware of racial inequity and the fact that, you know, we need to work on these things, that, that there's systemic racism in the United States is something we need to address. And so I think my daughter's and your daughter's generation is, is very aware of that. There's a difference between that and personal declines. There's a difference between that and personal challenges. So I think it's an interesting question whether they will, in fact, enter um, our, their senior years with more resilience because it's, I think it's a different type of resilience. Um, and, and so I think, I think it's, it's yet to be seen. I think what they can do and what they are doing is, again, as you said, it's a different time. I think when we were younger, there was really, I mean, we kind of, we cared about the environment, but there wasn't as much information. There wasn't as much data. We didn't understand really that the, the mass amount of consumerism was going to harm the planet. I really don't think we understood that. And I think the generation coming up now really has that. And so I think what they will do and what they are doing is, is feeling like that's a part of their core being. So it is something they think about more than we do at, at an older age because we just didn't grow up with it. Yeah, and also the whole idea of consumerism, I'll, I'll just finish this up. In my former life, before I retired from it and started to concentrate and focus on successful aging, I was a lawyer. And I remember the very early days of the consumer protection laws. Uh, you could be defrauded, and it wasn't even a crime. It wasn't mm-hmm. even a civil case that you could sue for. So we did have to intervene in consumer protection. And, and one of the things I'm proud of about our, our generation is we did uh, – started the base root of consumerism Mm -hmm. and sustainability has to do with that as well. It has to do with that as well. Uh, But I'm fascinated by the fact that the folks that you talk with on a one-on-one basis are learning to accept their bigger self because the language of aging, and this bothers me terribly, is one of diminution. The little old lady. You know, there are a lot of big old ladies. Let me tell you that. Uh, but no. Did you ever hear the phrase the big old lady? You never did. You only heard the little old lady, the little old man. Oh, you know, yes, it's true. We actually do shrink a bit. But, but that's not a big deal. Um, our, our world gets smaller. Um, there are consistent advertisements for our age group. And they're all about us being a patient. They're never about us doing anything of, of real interest to anybody. It's all about pain and suffering. And so because our world around us is thought of as smaller, we can sometimes think of ourselves as smaller too. Yeah. And that's a big problem on a one-on-one basis. So when we come back, we're going to do a little bit more empowerment, and we're going to get a list, a tick-off list, ready for a, a, a fast list from Lori on the things we can do. She's mentioned a lot of small things. Her book, her podcast gives you more hints and tips. But we're going to give you a few more and tell you how to continue your love affair with sustainability. Don't you go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. da 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 da
Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, unaccountably at our last segment. So what we want to deliver in this segment with our uh, guest, uh, Lori um, uh, Myron Manbeck, is hints and tips for you, things you can do every day. So let me tell you that although sustainability is a big word, uh, it is achieved with small acts. And without further ado, let me tell you that if you want to get a copy of her new book, she'll give you the name in a moment. If you want to learn more about her podcast, if you want to be part of this movement, Inclusivity, I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-I-T-E-E. So let's go. If you were going to pick, say, the 10 top things that you wish everyone in the world would do for sustainability, what would the 10 top ones be? Well, that is a great and challenging question. Um, I would start by saying sustainability starts with taking care of yourself. It absolutely does. I can't take care of those around me or the world at large if I'm not taking care of myself. So the first thing I would want is for everybody to practice some good breathing techniques. And the simple explanation of that is anything that allows you to slow down and concentrate on your breathing so that your mind is not thinking about a hundred other things is good breathing. And even doing something like breathing in for a count of four and imagining while you breathe in through your nose that you're breathing in goodness and comfort and breathing out for a count of four and imagine that as you breathe out, you're breathing out all the stress and the anxiety that you're feeling. Even doing something like that a few times can actually help set your whole day up for better success and can help calm you when things are anxiety provoking because it is anxiety provoking at times to get older. And when we're dealing with medical things and we're dealing with changes, it's really, it can be really stressful. So that would be my first tip. The second one would be pay attention, listen to the people around you, listen to the world around you. If you can walk outside and just look around and notice the trees and the leaves and close your eyes for a second and hear the breeze. And then when you're in your house, notice what your partner or your friend or your daughter or your son are saying and watch them. Notice what they look like when they smile. Notice what they look like when they're sad. Notice how they interact. Because what I want you to do then, if, if it sounds interesting to you, what's a great thing to do then is just remind yourself, this is why I care about this. And this is why my actions matter. I care because I'm protecting my family. I care because I'm protecting my world. The next thing that's a pretty simple tip is to turn your thermostat down by one degree. Just turn your thermostat down by one degree. My husband is applauding because <laughs> no, because I, I, the first two are inspiring and wonderful and gets you close to biophilia and all the things that we need to appreciate life and nature. But this one is really going to save us. <laughs> Saving him money. So he applauded on number three. Well, and, that, and, that is, and I think it's actually two degrees. I think the recommendation is turn your thermostat down by two degrees, or at least when you're sleeping, turn it down by two degrees. Right. Um, another one is take a shower <clears throat> or, or take a shower for one minute less. One minute. Hmm. What an interesting idea. Just cut your shower down by one minute. Another tip is there are now um, shampoo balls that you can get (coughs) that are like soap bars. 
And um, you have to look online for them because they're not available everywhere, although I think they'll become more and more available. But what's wonderful about them is you don't have the big plastic container. Uh -huh. You use the shampoo and it's gone. So so we can generalize that. Uh, the, the less plastic we use, if possible, yes. the better. Yeah, I know. Yes. Um, yes, if you can sort of look at your containers, look at your plastic and do as much as little recycling as you can, because we also know that something like nine or 12 percent of all the things we put in our recycling actually get recycled. So the issue with recycling is it's important to do, but the more you can cut down what you're putting into it in the first place, the better it is. Um, so those are good things. I already talked about some laundry things. Whenever you can, let your clothes line dry. I want to talk for a minute more about really paying attention to whether your clothes are dirty before you wash them. And my recommendation is that, that um, you consider smelling your clothes. And if they don't smell and they don't have stains, you don't need to wash them. I've got a kind of a deep comment on this. First of all, older adults take food home from restaurants a lot. Yeah. When you when you use the container, reuse the container. If it's washable, yeah. just wash it and reuse it. Because I even have an article on my blog uh, about doggy bags and yeah. and how to and how to use them. The other thing is uh, my my particular listeners they travel a lot. Now that mm -hmm. COVID is over, they're going to be uh, chomping at the bit to get onto these cruises and hotels. Uh, so when they tell you leave the towels on the floor, you know only if you want them washed. You could think about that, too, because there's a, a lot of water being used all over the world yep. uh, that's wasted because of tourism. Yep. And will, so that's another issue there. I will say two more things, Adrian, about what you just said. You can also bring your own doggy bags to the restaurant. Think about carrying a container to bring Good idea. Food. Good idea. You could even get silicone containers that actually um, break, basically um, fold and so they're very small to put in a bag or a purse. As far as travel, you can get online and look for the airlines that do the best job um, sort of taking care of the environment and offsetting the carbon footprint of the trips. You can also look for hotels and uh, restaurants and particularly hotels that you can stay in that are doing a better job because some hotel chains are, are rated better as far as sustainability. So you had said before the one tip that I think is a great one is you had said before the break, um, something about, you know, or I think before the second break, you said something about how can we find out like, where is there an index? Yes. And the truth is there are a lot of them. If you look up online, most sustainable restaurants, you're going to get a list. If you look up online, most sustainable clothing brands, you can find a list and you can find all sorts of lists because obviously not every company is on every list, but it's a good thing to do a little research. Another tip I would give that's easy and straightforward is, you know, follow the science and do just a tiny bit of research. Ask questions, look things up. It's okay to change your mind. And if you are someone who likes to write letters or emails, write letters and emails to the companies that you like and just encourage them to really act sustainably. You know, uh, people don't think this is a real area where people think they have no power. One letter to the CEO of a big corporation can change their entire brand. 
I've actually seen it. When I say one, that might be a little bit exaggerating, but it's right in keeping with the name of your book, which we're going to give in a second. The fact is a few. I've been told by congressmen that if they get six letters from their constituents, they will change their mind about a bill or uh, or uh, propose a bill. Six letters yeah. would change their mind. Well, it's not so different with CEOs. Uh, and I think that that's really the point here about your whole mission, Lori. So l- let's finish by letting people know the name of that book because it's right in keeping with our ability to be empowered by doing small things for ourselves and in our own behaviors. Give us the name of that book because it's the inspiration itself, including the subtitle. For just a second before that, I just want to say for seniors, companies are listening to you because you have a lot of buying power. And so don't think for a minute that just because you're a senior, your voice doesn't matter. So your letters to the CEO do matter. I just wanted to make sure I threw that in. Um, The name of the book is You Can Save the World. In fact, you're the only one who can. And you can find it on my website. So inclusivity, which is I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-I-T-E-E.com. And for everybody, now that COVID is lifting, I'm going back to my old end of show line. Get out there, kids, and make it happen.